Welcome to the College Investor Audio Show, where we talk about the biggest issues impacting millennial money, from student loan debt to side hustles to building wealth. We will show you how to get out of debt so that you can build real wealth for the future. Hey guys, it's Robert from The College Investor here, and today I want to go a little deep on the behavioral finance and psychology today because we are going to talk about the selection effect and other cognitive bias that could be hurting your pocketbook. So if you guys know, I spend a lot of time online. I'm on The College Investor, I'm on Facebook, I'm on Reddit, I'm on all kinds of different platforms talking about money. And You know, I have just seen so many different things out there that kind of scare me a little bit that I really just wanted to share this with you. And I've talked about some of this before. You might remember my article on financial whataboutism, but I'm going to take this a step further and we're going to dive even deeper into behavioral finance um, because honestly, your own cognitive bias might be preventing you from making wise financial decisions even when you are trying your best to make the best money moves possible. So I want to dive in and we're going to go a little deep on five different cognitive biases and what you need to know about them when it comes to your money, especially when it comes to talking about money online. Number one is survivorship bias. So survivorship bias is the idea that people often focus on who survived some process while neglecting to think about those who didn't survive. This type of bias can be particularly influential when making investing decisions. Now, I want you to think about survivorship bias. Honestly, we only think about the winners. We never think about the losers, and that's what survivorship bias is. So let's talk about it when it comes to money. One of my favorite subreddits on Reddit is called Wall Street Bets. The people who post on Wall Street Bets are some of the riskiest bettors when it comes to investments. I don't even know if they're investments. They are speculators, but that's beside the point. When I first started reading uh, Wall Street Bets, shorting oil futures was the hot thing. Today, it's all about options trading. But One of the reasons that this forum is so fun to look at is because many people do report their losses as well as their profit. However, that being said, the posts that show a $50,000 or $100,000 gain are a lot more interesting than those who show a $350 loss. If you're just looking at Wall Street bets, it could be pretty easy to assume that most investors make a ton of money all the time. But that's just not true. It's just that those are the investments that get reported, and this is survivorship bias. We are only necessarily interested in the winners. It's it's human nature. We want to see people win. We want to see people be successful, and the losers get pushed out or voted down even when they're reported. And so if you go to Wall Street Bets, the top five, ten posts are all going to be big winners. So if you are interested in investing, uh, you know you really need to keep that in mind. Most people actually lose in the long run active investing, not win. If you look at the historical studies, if you look at actively managed mutual funds, right? You probably heard this, that most professional investors can't beat the market over a 10-year period of time. And the reason for that is because it's statistically 
almost impossible to do. You know, the index investing, the passive investing, it's not sexy. It's not like really cool. You're not going to see those $100,000 gains overnight. But over the long run, and we're talking long run here, 10 years, 20 years, it usually wins. So survivorship bias is number one. Number two is the skin in the game effect. Uh, survivorship bias refers to that personal cognitive bias that can lead to suboptimal outcomes investing. However, another bias that can lead you to accepting some pretty bad advice um, is the skin in the game effect. And this refers to the idea that someone who isn't exposed to the consequences of certain advice may give bad advice or they might have misaligned advice. So if you're posting questions on an online forum, you're bound to get bad advice, particularly because they are not you and they do not have the same skin in the game that you do. So for example, if you should ask someone if you should put $50,000 into Ethereum, I guarantee you that someone's going to say, go for it. Why not? But that person probably has no skin in the game. In fact, they probably don't even know if they, they probably don't even have $50,000 themselves and they don't care if you lose all all of it. They don't care about you personally at all. Nobody on the internet cares about you. That is the point of the internet. It's semi-anonymous. Like you're on the other side of your screen. Like no one cares about you and your money like you do. On the flip side, there are also people that have skin in the game themselves and you don't realize it. And so they could be encouraging you to invest or do something that would benefit them. And because once again, you're on the internet, you don't know everybody's motives and truths and no one has it the same that you do. So keep that in mind. I think it's great that people are seeking online advice, but you have to be careful before you take action. The people giving advice aren't going to be bearing the consequences of your actions. Only you are. As a result, the skin in the game effect can also lead to overly optimistic advice in the world of more traditional financial planning. For example, many financial planners say use a 4% withdrawal rule. And that's cool and all. And I know a lot of the financial independence community like loves the 4% rule, but most financial advisors have never personally lived on an investment portfolio leveraging the 4% rule. So while the math of the 4% rule may be perfectly sound, living the 4% rule is different than advising others to live by it. So I really want you to keep that in mind. The skin in the game effect, you're the only one that has skin in the game. Even your financial advisor might not. All right, the next cognitive bias I want to talk about is the sampling bias. And the sampling bias is one of the most difficult biases to overcome in the digital age because when it comes to crowdsourcing ideas, you need to be very careful what ideas take hold and you need to be very careful of what people are saying. You need to ask two important questions with anything online. Who is answering my question and who isn't answering my question? So when it comes to personal finance, I see the sampling bias most significantly when I see questions related to income. And this is particular when I see people posing scenarios about how to make more money or raise their income. And a lot of times I'm shocked to see the advice. 
In several Facebook groups that I'm a part of, the advice on raising income usually comes down to asking for a raise, going back to school, or getting a second job. And none of that's necessarily bad advice, but it's advice from average people with average jobs. Nobody who is crushing the income side of the equation is chiming in. Salespeople who bring in six figures aren't recommending their favorite books, and entrepreneurs aren't explaining how they launched their product, and side hustlers aren't out there sharing how they are side hustling from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. every day. The bottom line is the advice you receive is the function of who you ask. When it comes to asking for advice about income, I recommend asking people who are doing amazing work to give you their advice. Otherwise, average advice is going to yield average results. For example, I love this quote from Jim Rohn, and I live by it all the time, and it's really resonated with me in the last probably four or five years. And that quote is, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So I want you to ask yourself, who are the five people you are surrounding yourself that are impacting your financial life? If those people are average or below average, chances are you are going to get average or below average advice. You're going to see average or below average financial lessons when you really should be looking for the above average individuals to spend some time with. They will give you above average financial advice and you might just see above average financial lessons. All right. Number four is anchoring. Now, This is the one cognitive bias that I've personally fallen for, and I think most of us have, whether it is when it comes to anchoring of a price or anchoring of benefits or services, because it's a hard one to break. Because anchoring is the focusing on single pieces of information when making a decision. For example, you see anchoring a lot where they'll anchor a sale price around a specific dollar amount. And then if you see another price, well, you're making all of your choices relative to that price. And it happens in personal finance a lot. Anchoring can be helpful. For example, when I know my portfolio is down a certain amount, I look at the S&P 500, I see how far it's down and I can see if I'm doing good or bad. However, anchoring can also lead to some pretty nasty financial outcomes, particularly related to buying insurance type products like whole life or annuities. Personally, I think that whole life insurance and annuities are derided a little too heavily. I can think of scenarios where these financial products do play a role especially annuities. Whole life insurance less so, especially with the new estate tax limits, but annuities still definitely do play a role in people's financial plans. Where anchoring comes to play in all this is less than ethical insurance salespeople may anchor buyers' attention on a single product attribute. For example, they might show the internal rate of return or the estimated rate of return without explaining any of the assumptions that go into that. For example, I purchased a whole life insurance product that assumed a 7% internal rate of return, which is nearly impossible for a bond-heavy portfolio to hit these days. I purchased it because I was anchored in the 7% internal rate of return that was sold to me, not because whether whole life insurance meets my particular financial needs or not. So before becoming enamored with a particular feature of a product, you need to be sure that the product itself is a good fit for your needs. This also comes close to the category of financial whataboutism that we talked about 
a few weeks ago. This is where people make comparisons such as, what about this, to try and anchor the discussion around something that really doesn't matter. When we were talking about it with financial whataboutism, people were justifying paying a dollar monthly fee to invest to buying a cup of Starbucks coffee for $4. Now, those two really don't compare, but people were justifying paying $12 a year when they shouldn't be to buying a $4 cup of coffee. So it can be a really costly bias if you're not careful and not paying attention to it. All right, the last cognitive bias uh, you need to be aware of is confirmation bias. Now, this is one of the most deceptive forms of cognitive bias because confirmation bias is the concept that we share ideas with people who are already likely to agree with the validity of the idea. For example, if you're in an entrepreneurship group and you have an idea to start a business, the other group members are likely going to applaud you no matter what the business is. However, if you take that same idea to your grandmother, she is likely to wonder why you don't like your stable job and the air-conditioned office building and will probably shut down your idea right away regardless because it's against her confirmation bias. So in general, we're going to seek out the opinions of people who agree with us. It's just what happens in psychology. So when we're on Facebook, we're on Reddit, we're naturally going to gravitate towards communities of people who agree with us. Personally, I think confirmation bias can help us get up the guts to do something a little risky. So it can be helpful. You know, maybe it'll give you that push to start a side hustle at night or something along those lines. But That being said, if you're trying to understand a financial decision from multiple angles, confirmation bias can be a problem. If you only seek advice from people that think like you, you're unlikely to come to a great decision. I see this a lot in Facebook groups focused around Dave Ramsey's baby steps or Mr. Money Mustache's mustachianism. Both of these individuals, Dave Ramsey and Mr. Money Mustache, have really die-hard rules about money and life. Some of these groups can create an extreme confirmation bias effect around each other, and they really refuse or acknowledge that other alternative approaches might be beneficial. For example, one that comes up a lot in Dave Ramsey's group are, should you stop contributing to a 401k, even if you get it a company match, while you're paying off debt. Now, the baby steps and Dave Ramsey are very clear on this. You do not pay off, or you do not contribute to your 401k while you're paying off debt. However, Taking advantage of an employer's company match is free money, and you're leaving that on the table by not taking advantage of it. So there are alternative viewpoints that could make sense. However, if you surround yourself with all baby steppers, you could be totally unaware or oblivious to the fact that these alternatives exist. So before making any type of big financial decision, you need to acknowledge the multiple angles that could exist. All right, guys. So as more and more personal finance discussions happen online, you just have to keep these cognitive bias at the forefront of your mind. It can be hard to do. Our perceived reality of the world can become skewed very quickly online. There's different opinions. There's advertisements. There's blogs. There's Facebook groups. There's Reddit. There's just so much coming at us with social media and different things that you read and it can just really skew you and become overwhelming. But I always remember a key lesson I learned about money online. 
First off, no one cares more about your money than yourself. Always keep that in mind. Number two is people who aren't doing well will reach out and post on forums much more frequently. They complain, they vent, or they're asking for help. The people who are crushing it online typically don't talk about money online as publicly. I personally think the ratio is at least 10 to 1. I've heard things of like 99 to 1, where there's 99 complainers for every one person who's crushing it. But the big thing is, is you need to keep that in mind everywhere you go online financially. There, most people online are not crushing it. They're not providing the best advice. So you need to be very cautious of the type of financial advice you are finding and soliciting on the internet. All right, guys, hopefully you found my deep dive into behavioral finance a little more interesting, a little different than our normal topics. I would love to hear your thoughts. Please go to the blog today. Tell me what you think about the selection effect. Tell me what you think about cognitive bias and your personal finances. Have you ever fallen victim? Have you ever had anything like this happen? Have you ever caught yourself midway through something? I would love to know. All right, guys, thank you very much, and I will talk to you next time.